0: Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I'm Justin Asiri and my goal is to help members of the military community thrive in their post-service career. Today's episode number 391, Deliberate Discomfort with Jason Van Camp.
1: You know, taking those small doses of venom every single day, doing something hard, even though it might be small, every single day, eating your vegetables. You know, you hit asparagus, I will eat a few asparagus tonight for dinner. Don't like taking a cold shower? Let's take a cold shower you really hate making your bed, okay, well make your bed because the more you do it, the easier it'll get for you. And soon enough, it's not going to be uncomfortable for you. It's going to be comfortable for you. And then it's going to be a habit. And then you're not even going to think about it.
0: My guest today, Jason wrote the book about discomfort. It has been a best-selling book on Amazon, Wall Street Journal, and others. What I love about this is that we live lives surrounded by comfort in our climate-controlled cars, in the food that we can order with a click of a button. So much comfort, and it does a lot of us a disservice. Jason does an exceptional job of talking about why we should introduce and seek out discomfort in our life how to do it in a way that makes us better human beings and more. As always at beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find show notes for this episode with links to everything we discuss, as well as Jason's book, Deliberate Discomfort, and a challenge that we talk about in this episode. You'll also find 390 episodes just like this one all for free. With that, let's dive into my conversation with Jason. All right. All right. Joining me in Salt Lake City, my guest is Jason Van Camp. Jason, welcome to Beyond the Uniform. It's
1: my pleasure to be here. Let's have a good time.
0: So, I want to give everyone a quick background on you and I'll give you a chance to fill in any gaps or uh, correct any mistakes. Jason is the author of the book Deliberate Discomfort, which is both a Wall Street Journal and a two-time number 1 Amazon best-selling book. For the past 10 plus years, he has run the consulting firm Mission 60, which dramatically improves sales performance, reduces costs, and wins by providing their clients' teams with a new way of solving organizational problems. He is also the executive director of the 501c organization Warrior Rising. He is a graduate of West Point. As well as Brigham Young University's Business School, and is a 14-year veteran of the U.S. Army, where he served in the Green Beret. Jason, anything to add or amend to that bio?
1: Oh man, it's, uh, uh well, one thing is "Deliver Discomfort" is a two-time is a Amazon number one best-selling book that um, did not unfortunately, get the Wall Street Journal bestselling title. Another book that I co-authored got that. So I was able to get that title from there. So that's just the only amendment I would give other than that. It was a great introduction. So I appreciate
0: that. Awesome. So I want to start with the book, Deliberate Discomfort. I'm about a third of the way through listening to the audiobook when I go running and loving it so far. What led you to write a book about discomfort?
1: Uh, I think FOPO, you know, fear of putting yourself out there. Uh, You know, if you've heard of fear of missing out, you know, FOPO is is very similar where it's a social anxiety where you don't want to put yourself out there. You don't want to post online. You don't want to market yourself. And I think that's been ingrained in all of us in the special operations, at least, you know, in in the Green Beret community. It's like, hey, we don't talk about ourselves. We don't talk about our missions. We don't market ourselves. We're the quiet professionals. Well, you know, I totally agree with that, but we can't be silent professionals. You know, see what the Navy SEALs are doing with their marketing and they're through the roof and it's fantastic. Everybody knows about the Navy SEALs and we should do something similar. And so I knew that I needed to put my curriculum, my material, what I know to be true out there so people could read it, digest it, buy into it, and then hire us as a company. So that's why I wrote the book.
0: What I appreciate about that is it sounds like the act of writing the book was consciously putting yourself in an uncomfortable position. Like that was not something that you wanted to really do.
1: That's exactly correct. You know, when I was talking to some of my mentors about writing a book, they were like, Jason, you, you got to do it. You got to write the book. And I was like, ah, oh, man, I don't want to do it. I'm going to be judged. I'm going to get all the, you know, all this negativity that you don't want with putting yourself out there. And they were like, you know, I thought you were the getting comfortable being uncomfortable guy. I thought that was your thing. I thought that's what you're all about. And I, and I said, you know what? You're right. Like I might as well, you know, swallow my own medicine here. I got to do this. And so that was just one of many things that I do that um, personally uncomfortable for me that I need to do, that I know I have to do. I just procrastinate because the feelings associated with that task is what kind of hurts us and and prevents us from being the people that we were destined to be.
0: I've never heard of FOPO before, but I, I relate to that, and I'm sure many people do, we we have a lot of examples in social media of people putting themselves out there, YouTube celebrities, Instagram famous, all of these things. I think that for a large subset of the population, there's an aversion to that. And I'm just kind of curious what advice you have for me or people like that about what has helped you be more public than you've wanted to be or than is comfortable for you?
1: Most definitely agree with that. And I think once you put yourself out there, you're in a way saying, judge me, you know, and it's okay to be judged like that. And that's terrifying for a lot of people. I mean, it's uncomfortable for me and for, for other people. And, and I thought to myself, when I was in the special forces and I tried to get my team the best missions, I had to go to my boss and my group commander and I had to convince them that we were the best team to do this mission and we were competing with all these other teams they were highly qualified you know very professional uh, had all the resumes and what it really came down to was we were marketing our teams and i realized that i wasn't up there marketing jason van camp that's uncomfortable talking about how amazing and great jason van camp is that sucks man i don't want to do that but i do enjoy marketing how great how amazing my team is the people that i have on my team and then i, I looked at it in that light and then i started looking at it like Well, by doing what I'm doing, I'm helping people. And that's what I'm all about. I want to help people become better at whatever they want to be better at. And for most of us, it's taking that uncomfortable leap of faith to face our fears, you know. And so I said, listen, I'm marketing people that I believe in and that I love. You know, I'm building this business and I'm helping people. Why wouldn't I put myself out there? What am I afraid of? Nothing.
0: What I think is great about that is this example, like through service, you're able to push through that barrier. You realize that you're able to serve your team now with, I'm guessing with Mission Six Zero and and before your team of Rangers. And even the book, I can only imagine what that's done for the awareness around the army, the awareness for special forces. So it's like realizing that you pushing through this discomfort is an act of service. And that gives you the extra leverage to to tolerate that discomfort.
1: You're right, man. It's all about getting comfortable and uncomfortable. It's about making that courageous decision to deliberately choose discomfort. Now it has to be voluntary. It has to be intentional. You know, it can't be forced upon you. You know, you have to prove to yourself that you're no longer satisfied with the way things are in your life and you're ready to do something about it. You know, you're not going to tolerate your situation any longer. And for many of us, we tolerate it. We say, well, it it sucks, but it's not this bad. I'm just going to keep going down the path that I'm on or I'm not going to really do anything about it because, you know, I don't want to shake the boat. I'm afraid of what's on the other side. But when you're ready for change, when you're ready for growth, when you're ready to accept and embrace suffering because that's the only way to grow is, you know, you got to put yourself in those uncomfortable positions so you can have a better life for yourself, for your business, for your family, for everybody. You know, and I always tell people, you know, I always ask them at least what's stopping you. And when you really break it down, it's fear, you know, and fear will kill more dreams and failure ever will.
0: One of the things I appreciate about the way that you structured your book is it leads with your own stories and the stories of others from the military, from these incredible circumstances and then you you kind of back it up with scientists, with business applications, and things like that. And I think that that helps me. I think it helps others bridge that gap of you know obviously the situations you're describing. Fortunately, most of us will never experience these this extremis. But then you really bring it home by saying, "Look, there you know here's the science behind it. Here's how this actually applies to business." And I, I'm wondering, especially for those who are here who are not members of the military community. Could you share a little bit about your work with Mission 6-0 and specifically how you have been bringing this body of work into, I mean, Fortune 500 companies, like really big organizations, and you're taking these lessons and applying it to non-military people, non-military components of the world? Oh, most definitely.
1: So I appreciate that. And first with the book, it's a very unique way of writing the book. Just created that. I hadn't seen that done before in any other work. And I wanted to do it that way because I knew that the guys on my team have amazing stories to share about their life. Not necessarily about combat, although a lot of them are about combat, but just about leadership in general. These are guys I recruited to the team that I, that I know personally, they're friends of mine. And I thought to myself, I just want my kids to be in a room with these people and just soak up everything that they are, you know? As we built the business, I realized a lot of these guys, you know, when they're telling their stories... We did Q&A after the fact, and they would get questions like, well, how did you do that? Can you help me to do that for my business or personally? And, and a lot of times the answer was, I don't know how I did it. I just did it. Or, hey, I relied on my training. And I knew right then and there that I was like, listen, we can do better than that. And I know there's a lot of military speakers out there that that's their answer. I just relied on my training or I don't know how I did it. I just did it. You know, and then that's not good enough. That's not good enough for Mission Six Zero. And so... Very early on, I recruited scientists in the team, behavioral experts, PhDs, researchers, people that I knew and trusted as well and built the relationship with over time. And I said, let's combine special operations with science. You know, if the scientist and the veteran together can create something powerful. then that's going to be very beneficial, very valuable for the client. And so I wrote the book where it's me going to my unit for the first time after I earned my Green Beret and I'm meeting my commander in chapter one. And we talk about trust. And then right after uh, the story, you know, we break it down into actual uh, relatable and digestible action items from a scientific perspective. And so people that are like, OK, I'm never going to go to combat. I'm never going to get you know, into a firefight. However, trust is very important to me. And I want to know how I can apply it to myself. Well, we have the, the story, we have it broken down into scientific theories. And then right after that, we have a practical application. And that's how every chapter is broken down. And so we're pretty stoked on that. And people seem to really like that pattern, that platform that we created. Um, but at Mission 6.0, you know, we help people, we make money, we do epic things. That's our culture. And people say, well, we solved the problem of, of misdirection. And you can define that in a number of ways. One, uh, spectatorship. You know, people are just standing around doing nothing, not taking any action. Uh, weakness, failure, losing, disorganization, confusion, and retention. And so what we do is we forge commanders. And so it's, it's a higher degree of leader, what we call a commander, right? And so we train, retain, and challenge high performers to lead, build an ad hocracy culture, and inspire people to be their best. And I really love the term ad hocracy culture. And for me, it's, it's sort of like a dynamic and innovative environment where employees are willing to take chances, and the leaders, the commanders there, are looked at as, and seen as inspirational innovators willing to take risks and uh, challenge assumptions. It's an organization where you have core values of, of agility and adaptability, and you're never going to hear the following in an hocracy culture. We tried that already, and it didn't work. And so I'm trying to build this warrior society of people that unlocks their purpose by deliberately choosing discomfort and voluntarily choosing to, to place themselves in the uncomfortable position of, of facing their fears. And so that's a mouthful, Justin. So there you, there you have it, man. All right,
0: guys. Into a short question. I think this is great, and a couple of things that stand out to me. First of all, I'm guessing that the primary audience of your book, especially based on the success, it's not really written for necessarily for the military. It's it's written for a broad audience of business people. But I'm also guessing that as you wrote this for yourself, for the people in your unit, for the people with similar circumstances, it must be an incredibly therapeutic way to take that training and dissect it, to take these experiences and dissect it and bring in the scientific component so that there is a better answer than like, this is the training or this is the way that I am. You can start to see like, oh, teasing apart these components of what has allowed you to achieve what many people view as impossible. I really appreciate that. And I think that's a, an incredible act of service for yourself and your community. And I think this is great. And, and correct me if I'm wrong on this. It seems like a lot of the work that you do with Mission Six Zero is you are pinpointing key leaders in an organization and realizing that if you can train them to be better leaders, that ripple down effect to the team is able to pull out those people. I forget the terms used, use, but one of them is like spectators. Like you're able to draw people out from spectating. You're able to draw people out to whatever might prohibit them from reaching their next level of success. And is that right? Are you kind of pinpointing the leaders and shifting this mindset so they can affect the organization underneath them?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'll give you an example. When we first started working with uh, NFL National Football League teams, we worked primarily with the players. You know, we, we found some success with that. When we started working with the coaching staff, when we started working with the the front office. You know, that's when we started to see real change. You know, culture was being established. People were learning how to lead for the first time. Granted, many of them knew the tactics, the X's and O's. Some of them. Fantastic offensive line coach. They know more than anybody in the world about how to plan an offense, you know, and run a, a West Coast offense or something like that. But as far as leading men, leading people, they had no idea. And I think in the corporate world, you find something similar where your HR representative, your, your resume, you and it's an unbelievable resume. And you have all these things on it. The person that hires you, the HR rep, is is looking at it and it looks great. And they say, "Listen, you're you're hired." Let me show you to your desk. And now you're expected to lead because of what it says on your resume. You know, you're expected to, to do all these things. You have no idea what you're doing. You have no idea how to do that. Nobody's given you formal training, how to lead people. You know the tactics, you know your job pretty well, but now you're in charge of other people. And so, for example, in the military, let's say we have a, a squad of guys and they're running a machine gun team. I'm simplifying it for those not in the military. Now, the best machine gunner, right? I think in the corporate world, a lot of times people would say, oh, let us he's, he's the best guy, best machine gunner. Let's promote him to the next rank and let's get him in charge of other machine gunners. Well, we don't do that in the military. What we do is we find that guy and we say, listen, he's ready to move up. He's doing a phenomenal job. Let's make sure he trains his guys underneath of them. So they're going to be the next iteration of phenomenal machine gunners. And we're going to send this guy to a leadership course. And we're going to send him to this leadership course for three, four, five months. And we're going to get him to the point where he understands how to succeed as a leader in this next evolution, this next job that he has. And then we don't send him back to the same unit because it's a little awkward. Now he's in charge of guys that were his peers and so forth. We send him to a different unit. And now he's going to have a fresh start as a leader, all the things that he's learned, and he's going to move forward in that fashion. We need to do the same thing in the corporate world, in the civilian world. And that's what Mission Six Zero does. We give you that leadership training that you need, that you don't know that you need a lot of times to succeed. And so, when you have that culture that is thriving, that people want to be a part of, and you're training the right guys to be the right leaders, and they know what they're doing, then you have the bottom line increases. You have success everywhere you look.
0: One thing I'm reading into what you're saying is it seems like to be a good leader in an organization, you have to be choosing. Discomfort, like you need to be stepping into things that don't necessarily feel comfortable. Which, for me, you know, with kind of like a movie image of a good leader, it seems like they're a natural that this is this innate ability that they're just expressing as who they are. But as I hear you talk, it seems like as a leader, you're choosing discomfort in learning skills that might not be custom to you, like t- pushing people in ways that might not feel good to you, and. I have two questions on this. One is like, is that even true? Like do leaders need to embrace discomfort? But the second thing I'm curious about is, is there ways to cultivate discomfort and a tolerate tolerance for discomfort in our lives in small ways? Like that bleeds over to those leadership aspects. It's almost like, is there a discomfort muscle that we can cultivate that will help us in these other areas of our life? Perfectly said. Number one, Leaders
1: must choose discomfort. Listen, you either choose hard things or hard things will choose you. They're coming either way. So you might as well be proactive about it and prepare for it. Because if you're not, you're setting yourself up for failure. So if you as a leader are not choosing discomfort, you're going backwards and you're failing. You know, and how can we do that? It's by, you know, like you said, voluntarily, deliberately, intentionally, You know, taking those small doses of venom every single day, you know, doing something hard, even though it might be small, every single day, eating your vegetables. You know, you hate asparagus, I will eat a few asparagus tonight for dinner. You know, you don't like taking a cold shower, let's take a cold shower. You really hate making your bed, okay, well, make your bed. Because the more you do it, the easier it'll get for you. And soon enough, it's not going to be uncomfortable for you, it's going to be comfortable for you, and then it's going to be a habit, and then you're not even going to think about it. You know, just like getting up early and going to the gym, right? A lot of times I go to the gym almost every day, right? And when I walk in there, oftentimes I don't want to be there. I'd rather be sleeping or I'm tired or my mind's not into it or I'm sore or whatever it might be. And I say to myself, okay, I'm here and I'm going to do the work. Let me get my mind prepared for it by just doing a few small exercises. You know, like let me get on the treadmill and just half-ass a few you know minutes on the treadmill. You know, and all of a sudden my body's getting warmed up. All of a sudden I'm sweating just a little bit. All of a sudden I'm thinking about the workout. All of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm talking to myself that I can do this and I'm getting excited for it. And now I'm, I'm ready for it. Now I'm excited about it. And I think that's what we need to do while we take these steps. And, and the first thing you have to do is take action. Do something about it. You know, I look at it like this. Some of our clients in professional sports organizations and corporate clients will say to me, Jason, just motivate me. I just want you to motivate me, man. And i tell them the same thing i can't and i'm not going to try you know and they're like what are you talking about isn't that what you do i'm like i'm not going to motivate you because you can only motivate yourself you know i'm not going to be there 24 7. i can't hold your hand i can't motivate you all day long every second of the day only you can because you're going to be there 24 7. the only thing i can do is i can inspire you inspire you to motivate yourself because really the only true motivation is self-motivation And so it's sort of like a circle where you have inspiration, then motivation, then action, and then results. And then it's a full circle because the results will then inspire you. Because once you start seeing positive results, whether you're know you working out or you're in your business and you're making money or you're getting stronger, smarter, whatever it might be that you're trying to achieve, when you see results, man, that's like catching fire. You know, you just get inspired from the core. And, and then that, in turn, will motivate you to, do, to act and then get more results. And that's kind of the circle of action that I talk about. You know, it all starts with action, just one step. And my catchphrase, if you call it Mission six zero, is is do something about it. And I truly believe that.
0: There's so many things I like about what you just said, so I just want to break it down for the audience. I've never heard the analogy of the small dose of venom. What I think is so great about that, the little that I understand about venom is is that, the way I understand it, you can actually build up a tolerance through small exposure to something that otherwise would kill you. And it's such a great analogy of saying, hey, I know that my life, my family, my business will benefit from me being able to tolerate more discomfort. So I'm going to take little tiny actions. And I even love the laundry list that you rattle off there of the cold showers or making your bed or eating the vegetable you don't want to eat, forcing yourself to do something that you know is good for yourself, but you just don't want to do. And I think that it's great. You know, I appreciated hearing you say that you struggle sometimes to go to the gym every day because in my mind, I'm like, man, this guy's probably been doing that for decades. And to hear you say that sometimes it's not easy, it actually gives me confidence of like, oh yeah, it's not always easy to do these things. But it's so great that you broke that down to just taking the small step like taking that action. And I think that that's a great reminder when we don't want to jump into the cold water. We don't want to get up and go to the gym. Like, like you said, just take a couple steps on the treadmill. And you're right, it does start to feed into this loop. And a couple of questions that I have coming out of this, one of them is whether it's for your own business with Mission or the or you know hundreds of clients that I'm guessing that you've advised, are there any habits that you found help you or your clients achieve results. Like I'm thinking of the, the brush your teeth actions that they just kind of take steps day in and day out. And those add up to monumental changes. And it could be for yourself or your clients, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm asking for a friend. (laughs) Really. I'm asking for myself.
1: Yeah. It's a great question. And, well, first off, I appreciate you recognizing the vulnerability. It's like a confident vulnerability because I think there's a lot of competitors out there that are just like, hey, I'm, a, I'm the biggest badass there is and I don't make any mistakes. You know, I, and I don't fail. And That's all well and good, but we know that's not true. So let's just be honest about who we are and what we're experiencing. And for me, when I talk with clients, I customize it because everybody's different. Everybody's facing different challenges, right? For some people, you know, they'll say, hey, make your bed in the morning. Well, gosh, man, I went to West Point. I've been making my bed in the morning since I was 18 years old. You know, it's, it's not difficult for me. It's not hard for me. It's not uncomfortable for me. I just do it. You know, it's just a habit already. Take cold showers. Okay. Well, you know, I lived in Russia uh, for two years. And when I lived there, they shut off the hot water in the summertime, in the spring and summertime. So you had to take cold showers. And I got used to it. And it wasn't that difficult after a while, you know, so I can't tell you, hey, Justin, make your bed. Hey, take a cold shower because it might not be hard for you to do that. I ask you, like, what is hard for you? What are the things that you know you should be doing and you're not doing right now? For example, for me, uh, I love to read. I got a stack of books on my nightstand. I mean, literally, I could go upstairs and take a picture of probably 40 books on my nightstand right now. 15 of them uh, I've read this year and the other stack of books I want to read. And last year... Life got away from me, man. Like they just stayed there. I was too busy. I was too tired at night, you know, and I didn't read. And so this year when I did the Deliberate Discomfort Challenge, I was like, every day I'm going to read and I'm going to finish a book every single week. You know, that was hard for me because I had to like deliberately take time out of my day and plan for that and say, nope, this is the time of the day where I'm going to read and I'm not going to be distracted or bothered, you know, all digital sunset and turn all the TV and electronics and cell phone all that stuff off and I'm gonna read. Other things for me, stretching. I hate stretching. I'm the worst person at stretching, you know? Like I go to a yoga class and and it's just like, I'm a total embarrassment and that's fine. As long as I'm like trying to get better at that, then that's okay.
0: What I'm taking away from that, it's really encouraging to me. It is so unique. Like what might be comfortable for me might be uncomfortable for someone else. So, you know, what I was taking away from that was I just wrote down like, what do I know I should be doing, but it's hard for me. And like you, that definitely cold showers for me. (laughs) It is stretching. It is kind of like I have these things. What I like about what you're saying too, is that if we take this on, eventually what's uncomfortable, I'm imagining after a long enough time becomes more habit, becomes more commonplace. But you're building this pattern of like, okay, now what's holding me back? And it's just this constant evolution. Because I think sometimes I want to just think that there's this checklist that if I get these things right, life will be a certain way. But the truth is, as we're up leveling, as we're growing, as we're evolving and maturing, these things constantly change.
1: That's exactly right. Embrace that suck. Embrace that suffering because that's what life is all about. You know, the purpose of life is to find your gift, I believe, and the meaning of life is to give your gift away. And by doing that, you're serving other people and you're constantly placing yourself in positions of being uncomfortable. A lot of people think, if only I can knock these blocks off, I'll be good to go. That's the furthest thing from the truth, man, because you're always um, transferring problems from one set to the next. Like you're just switching out problems that you're currently facing. And then once you reach that next level, now you have a different set of problems. And really life is about being problem solvers and figuring things out, not just for ourselves, but for each other. You know, you could buy a little help from your friends, you know, like the Beatles
0: said. And, and that's what we're all about at Mission Six Zero. You mentioned something. You said the deliberate discomfort challenge. I'm not that far in the book yet, but could you speak to what that is?
1: Oh man, I love it. I appreciate you asking that. We started it on January 4th this year it's a 60-day challenge. I created it based off of our whole person, our total warrior model. We have certain requirements, certain challenges. Mentally, you have to read a book every single week. You know, you pick your books or we give you a library of books. One of the books is Deliberate Discomfort, which which we'll send you. Physically, we send you a workout program. You have a 60-minute workout in the gym every single day and a 60-minute cardio workout every single day, seven days a week. And also we send you a nutrition plan. If you want to upgrade the plan where meals will be delivered to your door, we can do that as well. Spiritually, you know, we have a mindfulness exercise and it's an audio recording that you listen to every day. The first week is uh, five, two minute mindfulness practices. And then the last week we do a 40 minute practice every day. Socially, We want you to connect or reconnect with a family member, a friend, a past friend, somebody you've had a falling out with and have a meaningful conversation. And emotionally, we have a gratitude journal that you fill out every day. And professionally, you watch one video in our masterclass series. And the last week, you create your own videos and you post them online. And every single day, uh, whatever's impacted you as you go through this challenge, you have to post about it online with the hashtag DDChallenge. And so um, we have 11 classes in so far. Uh, About 500 people have taken it. The attrition rate is 3%. So 97% of people that that join stay with us. And the graduation rate is, is pretty high as well. And I think what people say a lot of, I don't have the time to do this. Where do I find the time to work out twice a day? Well, I did it twice. I did this challenge twice. And if it matters to you, if you prioritize it, you can find the time to do all these things. And the testimonials are absolutely through the roof. People are changing their lives changing their their patterns of behavior, you know, becoming better people because of this. First time I did it, I lost 34 pounds. Second time I did it, I lost 23 pounds, you know, and that's just because life got away from me. You know, COVID hit, I couldn't go to the gym. And because I didn't go to the gym, I, I, I didn't want to figure out how to work out at home, you know, and then it was cold and I didn't want to run as much as I used to. And I just looked at myself and just was disgusted with what I was doing because I knew I was better than this, and I knew I could be better than this, and I want to just give that to other people as
0: well. Such a great structure. I love the categories, You know, physically, spiritually, socially, emotionally, professionally. I really appreciate that duration too, because I'm guessing after 60 days of this regimen, that the, the after effects of that momentum is exceptional. And I like the way that you've crafted this in a way where you know, you've got the nutrition component, if someone needs extra help, they can order the meal. So there's kind of like this bumper bowling to help people wherever they may struggle. If someone's interested in this deliberate discomfort challenge, where can they find more information about that?
1: Yeah, no, thanks for asking. I should have mentioned that. It's, uh, you can go to the website challenge.deliberate discomfort.com or you can go to the website mission60.com and uh, it'll send you, you'll see the link there to, to sign up for the challenge. But we start our challenge every Monday. Every Monday, there's a new class, and it's awesome. You're going to love it. And it's hard, too. Like, don't get me wrong. Justin, this thing is is very, very difficult. So I want people to mentally prepare themselves for how difficult this is going to be. It's not just for special operations, guys. It's for everybody. We've got a 73-year-old graduate. We've got a, a triple amputee graduate, a guy that we had to modify You know, to plan for a little bit, but you know, no excuses, no failure. You have to do it every single day. Everything I ask you to do, and there's no quitting.
0: One other thing, I'll just point out: I'm training for my first ultra marathon, and and one of the guys when I was first started training was just like Justin: ditch the training plan at the start, just run every day. And what I appreciated about that was when I just surrendered into this thought of I'm going to run every day without exception like you said, it becomes a habit. It becomes something that I didn't think of is today my off day. It's raining, maybe I skip. It just became a habit. What I like about that aspect of like, you know, I view it as people surrendering to say, okay, I'm going to listen to what Jason says and I'm going to do it. There becomes this freedom then of just saying, I'm going to do this, even if it doesn't feel good. I'm going to do the workout. I'm going to do this exercise. Like in that act of surrendering for this 60 day period, I'm guessing people that get out of the whatever mental ruts hold them back, whatever story they have about what they should or shouldn't do. I think it's such an exceptional thing for someone to opt in. And I'll, I'll put all this in the show notes for listeners so they can sign up if it's right for them. But that thought, and man, 97% completion rate is insane. So having that structure, having the accountability, having the community of people who are embracing the suck along with you, there's so many aspects. And one last thing I'll say here is that, you know, both physically, professional development, personal development, I found that like, you cannot do these things alone. I'm sure there's some subset of listeners and I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not endorsing specifically this challenge. I have no financial incentive to do that. But what I like about this is, when I see people, myself included, say like, oh, that's great. I'm just going to go off on my own and do it. I just find that I don't stick with it. People don't stick with it. And so, you know, I'm sure there's many programs that are great like this. I'll put in show notes for the Deliberate Discomfort Challenge because this sounds like a great opportunity. But if what, what Jason is saying resonates with you, my biggest encouragement for listeners is don't just say, oh, that's something great. I'll do it on my own find a community, find a group of people because it's so much more fulfilling and rewarding and so much more likely you'll complete it if you're around people who have that mindset and have that commitment. So don't cop out thinking like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll just find the YouTube video and do it on my own. Find the structure, find the community, find the the plan that's right for you.
1: I'm seeing me nod my head so much. I'm just applauding you because you're absolutely spot on. You know, there's a lot of great programs out there, but what sets the Little Discover Challenge apart from everybody else is the social aspect. When we have a tribe, the community. Uh, we have a, a private Facebook group where everybody's encouraging each other, you know, and you're posting every single day. And it's a powerful group and it's a positive group, you know, and, and when you focus on each other, when you're saying, Listen, I'm having a bad day, I don't know if I can do this today. Everybody on the team is like, you can do this. Come on. Like, look at Tommy. He did it today. Look at Art. He did it today. And when you see people that are struggling and having a rough day or they're, they're slightly banged up and they're doing it anyway, when it comes time for you two to do the same thing, like, you have no excuse. You know, you have to do it. When other people, your peers, your friends, that your supporters are doing it, you can't let them down. Because honestly, that's what sets us apart in the military from, from other organizations is, is that brother, that camaraderie, that bond, that family um, forged in dark times. You know, the loyalty is forged in those dark times. So when we're fighting in a trench, it's not, you know, we're not thinking about freedom or the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence or the flag. We're thinking about each other. You know, we're thinking about the man to our left and to our right. And we're saying, I'm not going to let this person down. That's it. And I know they're not going to let me down. And that's why we're going to win. And that's what the Deliberate scumber Challenge is about, too, is like we're doing it together. You know, we did a lot of after action review comments and testimonials. And by far, everybody's saying the biggest impact is the social impact, like joining a family, a tribe that has your back. And that's that's powerful.
0: I want to ask as well as almost like the counterbalance. So. I think at the start of the call, you kind of set a couple criteria for deliberate discomfort. I don't remember what you said there, but I'm wondering about the person who gets excited and then pursues discomfort in a way of like self-flagellation. I guess what I'm trying to ask about is the discernment between choosing something that's good for you that you don't want to do, and then also the extreme though, where you're like, grinding gears where you might actually be doing damage by persisting when you should be listening to your body and backing off. And I know that's like a very subtle distinction, but I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts about the guide rails to put around this or maybe someone who might misinterpret your message in a way that's harmful for themselves. No,
1: yeah, that's a great question. And we do get that from time to time. So we're not espousing masochists by any stretch of the imagination. We don't want people to enjoy an activity that appears to be painful, you know, like legitimately painful or or cause harm to themselves or to someone else. I can see how someone can look at deliberate discomfort and possibly think that if they're not thinking in in the same line of thought as we are, we're not saying that at all. You know, we're saying, uh, get uncomfortable being uncomfortable. You know, when we go through this challenge, if you're injured, stop. You should stop. And we tell people, stop. We'll, we'll get you into the next class once you're healed up. You have an injury or you're about to get an injury or something serious is happening. Listen, if you're banged up or you're, you're sore or you're hurting, step up and do it. You know, I don't want to hear the whining and the excuses about your sore. You need to do it. That's when you grow. That's when you become the person you were always destined to be. And I believe that. And, and like sort of playing sports growing up, you know, and, and in college, you know, you, you kind of knew when you were really injured and you could no longer go. And you kind of knew when you were kind of hurting a little bit, but you could keep fighting. And for the people that think that they can't keep fighting, I, I guarantee you that you can. You know, but if you seriously are injured, you know, and you know it, pull yourself out of the game and we'll get you on the next round. And that's okay. And we've had a few people in that situation and that's fine. You know, things happen, you know, you sprain an ankle, you know, you break an arm, whatever it might be doing uh, your daily activities in your life, you know, things happen. And, um, and so I want to be sure we're clear about that.
0: that's great. I know we've talked about deliberate discomfort. We've talked a little bit about mission six zero. I also wanted to make space, just anything you want to share about warrior rising.
1: Oh man. Warrior rising is, uh, it's such a great organization i founded it in 2015. it's a nonprofit, a 501 501c3 and so for veterans or immediate family members of veterans that want to find their purpose again we help them to do that by creating or accelerating their own businesses and i think really education is is the highest form of charity you know it's similar to the to the motivation like we're not going to be there 24 7. you teach a man to fish he'll eat for a lifetime right if you give him a fish he's only going to eat for a day I think there's a lot of nonprofits out there that wants to do the right thing. There's a lot of HUA, but there's not a lot of doa. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to give a veteran one good day. I want to give a veteran a good life. And the only way they can do that is by doing it themselves. And so we give the veterans a few things at Warrior Rising. One is we have a personal intake call. So we talk to you. It's an intimate conversation about what your goals are, why you want to start a business. And oftentimes we find out together that this is not a good decision for you. You shouldn't be pursuing this at this time, you know, or it's not a good idea. But if it is and you want to pursue it, bring you into our program and you go through a Warrior Academy, which is a 40 video curriculum, teaches you how to create a business plan. And uh, you're basically on your own to do that. And once you finish the Warrior Academy and you present to us the material, the homework that we ask you to do. And then you get a mentor, a one-on-one mentor, somebody who's been successful in whatever industry you're trying to start a business in, and you and the mentor together create a go-to-market strategy. And after you create this strategy, you come back to Warrior Rising, and we either give you a grant or an investment opportunity. And for some of the people that get grants, I'll give you an example, 514 people applied in quarter one of this year, and we selected 12 of them, and we flew them out to Salt Lake City for what we call business shower. So similar to a bridal shower or a baby shower, a business shower is is an experience where you get all the tools and the equipment and the skills you need to succeed at business. And so for example, or I guess literally, we gave these 12 veterans as a surprise, flew them in, put them up in a nice hotel, took them out to dinner. And then we gave them a free custom business suit. We gave them a free laptop computer. We gave them a free website. We had a, a marketing crew out here that made videos for all of them. So that they could use for their website or for their ads and so forth uh, we gave them a haircut we give them a headshot and then we did mentoring all day long in-person mentoring with our guys celebrity type you know like Rocco Vargas for example the guy that created Cotopaxi is another guy on our, our squad and then uh, I surprised the veterans again and said hey guys uh, you got two hours to put together a presentation we're doing a business pitch tonight and the winner's gonna get twenty thousand dollars And so the guys were stressed out and, you know, like intentionally I wanted them to feel stressed out. So I wanted them to perform. And so we did a pitch competition and we selected three finalists and the three finalists pitched uh, at dinner in front of uh, about 100 people and some judges. And uh, they selected the winner, which is Travis Arnold from Kason Shaving Company, which is a great presentation. He got twenty thousand dollars on top of everything else. And then as a surprise, we gave the other two finalists $20,000 each. And then as another surprise, we gave each of our uh, veterans $2,000. And so that was the business shower. And uh, we're going to do another one in Napa, California on June 26. And so anybody that wants to apply for Warrior Rising, go to warriorrising.org. and uh, and join our tribe because we're doing great things.
0: And I'll add those in the show notes. I'll ask a last question here in a second, which is just anything we may have missed, but I'm, I'm appreciating, first of all, your example, writing multiple successful books Establishing Mission Six Zero is this great corporation. Establishing Warrior Rising is this great nonprofit. So I really appreciate your example of someone who's not settling for status quo, not settling for what's comfortable and constantly putting yourself out there. It's a great example. And then second of all, I just, I really appreciate the message of deliberate discomfort. Because for me, we have no shortage of comfort right now. I can have a hot shower whenever I want. I can push a button on my phone and get whatever meal I want. I can drive in my air-conditioned car. like I can build a life with just a warm blanket around me all the time. And I know that doesn't lead to fulfillment. And so I just really appreciate how you're championing this different perspective of the thing that so many of us are avoiding, discomfort. There is a salve in that. There is this incredible nutrient if we're willing to adopt that. And it leads to more growth. It leads to more service and more impact. So I just want to appreciate you for that. But in, in closing, anything that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure listeners know before we wrap up?
1: Justin, thanks for having me on, man. We talked about Mission 6-0. Uh, we talked about what we do at Mission Six Zero. We talked about the Deliberate Discomfort Challenge, we fired up about. I guess we didn't talk about, we have a shop at Mission Six Zero. so if you want to get some apparel like this shirt here, uh, you know, Borskull, uh, you know, the M60, you can go to the mission 60.com website to get some stuff there. Uh, we talked Warrior Rising. We talked uh, veterans applying for Warrior Rising. Uh, we didn't talk about people that want to be mentors for Warrior Rising. So if you want to be a mentor, if you want to help out, volunteer, if you want to, give back and feel good about giving back and see results uh, of your endeavors, of your efforts, join the Warrior Rising Mentor Tribe uh, by going to warriorrising.org. Other than that, Justin, I think we're solid, man. I appreciate it and I hope uh, your listeners got a lot of value out of this and and enjoyed it. I certainly did. This was a lot of fun for me. Surface, surface,
0: surface. Beyond the Uniform is written and produced by me, Justin Asiri, with the help from our chief of staff, Steve Bain, our editor, Lex Brown, and our head of social media, Janelle Hanf. We are an all-volunteer organization and would greatly appreciate your help in any of the following ways. First of all, spread the word. Beyond the Uniform has over 380 podcast episodes and 15 on-demand webinars, all offered for free help us spread the word on social media at military bases or whatever gets this resource in front of the men and women who need it. Positive reviews on iTunes go a long way towards this as well. Second of all, sponsorship. Beyond the Uniform relies on sponsorship to keep us going. There is so much more we'd like to do, but just don't have nearly the resources to do it. If you know of a company that would advertise in any way with Beyond the Uniform, please send them our way third of all, donations. If you're in a financial position to donate, you can find more information on the support section of our website. At our website, beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find over 380 episodes categorized by industry, functional role, and more. You'll also find both free and for purchase resources that take a deeper dive on topics related to career growth. Thank you for your support as we aim to help members of the military and their families thrive in their post-military career and life.